are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a December 22nd, Thursday edition, a brown liquor edition, a new leaf of the Lockdown Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia-Gunderson, writer for BlazersEdge.com, former Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian, and I am joined by my guest for today and my guest for all of the brown liquor editions, the Big Dog. Uh, what's up? What's up, Big Dog? How are you doing? Gundy, Gundy, baby, how we doing, buddy? It's good to see you. Uh, you know, long time, first time. Uh, I'm here to, you know, actually represent the Bay Area Blazer contingent, which is uh, surprisingly lacking, given that uh, they have what well, maybe you know one of the best historical teams currently playing. And uh, I root for a 12 and 18 team from the Pacific Northwest. Is that correct? That's right. You have chosen. So this is the Big Dog. A little background on the Big Dog. Big Dog is from the Bay, and the Big Dog has chosen to become a Blazer fan. He is he is eschewing the generational uh, legendary team that is right next door, and he is choosing the pain and misery of being a Blazers fan instead of that. So I, I think it deserves applause, and it definitely deserves a guest spot on Lockdown Blazers. Yeah, no, honestly, like, just to put it in perspective, I'm pretty sure the first ever Blazers game I watched was uh, freshman year in the dorms at Oregon, you know, go Ducks. And uh, I'm pretty sure it was one of like uh, Brandon Roy's last games, or uh, it was one of them when he actually wore a Timberwolves jersey. If that ever happened, I'm not sure. Facts aren't really my thing. To be completely honest. This is why we have Mark on. Uh, Mark's going to play hard and loose with the facts. Uh, it, it's going to be uh, we're, we're we're just going to be we're going to have some takes here. Uh, that's what this edition of the podcast is about. Because you, we could go ad nauseum about Portland's defensive rating. Their rebounding, their transition defense, their half court defense, their miscommunication, all that jazz. But you've heard all of that before. So we're going to get a little refreshing here. It's the holidays, and we're going to give you just just some, some real talk right now. Yeah. Um, and honestly, we, I mean, it is the Brown Liquor Podcast. We do have to start out. I'm currently enjoying three fingers of the finest Blanton's bourbon. I know about yourself, Gunny. What are you sipping on? Um, I, I, had, a little, I had a little Jameson. Yeah. Uh, just, just, to, just to prepare, uh, had, had a nice, nice little, nice little half a shot there, uh, for, uh, the, the start of this podcast and the Blazers, by the way, just a little news update. If you, in case you missed it, they managed to lose to the Dallas Mavericks at home last night, 96, 95, that loss to the Mavericks included two 30 point quarters, a 62 point half. The Mavericks, who are tied for last place in the Western Conference with the Phoenix Suns, just went in there and Harrison Barnes went ham. The Blazers couldn't stop Harrison Barnes. Uh, Darren Williams had a throwback night. And and Wesley Matthews had probably one of his better games of the season, even though he still went 6 for 16. The, the Mavs beat the Blazers, and the Blazers had a last-second shot. They had a valiant comeback. Damian Lillard misses the shot. But, of course, um, they shouldn't have lost that game. Yeah, Gundy, I'd love to hear your take on those last kind of sequences. <clears throat> you know, personally, sitting on my couch, uh, I was I was all over the place. I was an emotional wreck. You know, you have the – he leaves his feet, Dame, on the, on the first drive um, with about – what was it, uh, 13 seconds left? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he when Dwight Powell knocked the ball out of bounds and it hit Dame and then 
Uh, yeah, and then it went out of bounds, and then Portland forces a turnover. After yeah, that- and I'll I'll tell you this. Uh, seeing as how I don't know that much about the game of basketball, if I'm picking up on something, I'd hope to God the guys that get paid millions of dollars on the other team are also. And I saw Dame was going to their act the whole night. And so with 13 seconds left, having a drive from the left-hand side seemed uh, like a pretty plausible situation. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I think that the last two buckets that they had to get the ball to get the game close, if I remember correctly, were drives down that side of the of of the, of the court and right to the left hand side of the basket, and 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 they went to that same look again, and the Mavs snuffed it out. Dwight Powell made a great play, and then and then they get the ball back after the turnover. Dallas turns it over. There's a little bit of a scramble. Stotts calls a timeout because McCollum isn't on the floor for that possession, and then. They run a play that was supposed to be a screen and roll or a pick and pop with Aminu setting a pick on Dame's guy, who was Wesley Matthews, and then Aminu inexplicably slips the pick to pop out for three, making no contact on Matthews, and then Dame is forced to take a deep contested three with the clock winding down, which he missed, and the Blazers were down by one, and they ended up taking a a 25-footer. Yeah, well, geez, and a travel 25-footer uh, by my recollection. <laughs> yeah, Dame definitely uh, traveled on that one too. <laughs> what, what I did notice was Aminu coming uh, at Wesley Matthews like a Nigerian ball of thunder, and there for a moment I was hoping that the guy was just going to throw a chop block. I really did, you know, harken back to Oregon uh, 2011 against LSU, you know, a lot of sweeping of the leg. Uh, offensive line. I think I thought Amini was going to come in and just drop a shoulder on him and just, you know, see if we can get that hometown call. <laughs> yeah, honestly, a lot of the chances last night with the game being so close kind of just it distilled down to, well, can Portland get a little home cooking? Can Portland get a little extra help? And that's not the position you want to be in against a team like the Mavericks who didn't have Dirk and uh, has been bad pretty much all season. And, uh, I mean, I would I would say that last night probably has to be rock bottom, a, a loss at home to the worst team in the West. I I don't see how it could possibly get any worse than it is right now. Well, you know, we could always go on a four year uh, tank spiral, all out of the seventy sixers, and then fire Hinky when it finally works. But yeah, no, this is pretty close. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't they're not in the tank spiral yet. I mean. You, I think, have a differing opinion than I do. I, I'm starting to think that maybe, I, I don't know how plausible this is, but shaking up the core around CJ and Dame is obviously easier said than done, but I think they could have a, I think they could field a good team by keeping CJ and Dame and trying to get everybody else, but I, I think you have a differing opinion on that. Well, here's the thing. You know, CJ and Dame, they're great players, but it's not so much getting rid of our core, but, you know, adding a few specific pieces one that may already be on the team and one that is actually floating out in the ether right now. And, and who, who would that be? Uh, Eric, that's going to be uh, Brett Kingma. <laughs> Brett Kingma, Oregon Ducks legend, I think only played for the Ducks one year, uh, for those of you who don't know. But this is what you get when the big dog comes on the podcast. We're getting deep Oregon Ducks cuts, deep cuts, and hot takes. That's what, that's what the Brown Liquor Podcast is about. Sorry about that. Brett Kingma's shot is as silky as Costco sheets and as leathery as a wallet from Marshall's. My friend, he's on a discount, and yet you still get that same Tosh Not quality. Brett, Brett Kingma is uh, a legend and who, who we will never forget. Um, but I, I think 
after what he did, I, I I think you're in the camp of of folks that want Boogie Cousins. Oh, 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 we're, we're talking, you know, actual things. Well, you know, I was in the camp of Boogie Cousins until our ponytailed friend Myers Leonard literally, you know, <laughs> served him a plate of food. And not only did he eat it, but I believe the term would be spit it back at him. Uh, the, what was the, what was the plus minus there? It was a 53 point differential between it, it, ours it, and theirs. It, it was 55. It was Myers had zero points and, uh, cousins had 55. Also Myers got quite, uh, Myers was in the headlines a little bit nationally. Like I was listening to the Levitard show and they had probably half of their first hour was talking about Myers Leonard and how, he got owned by DeMarcus Cousins, 55 nothing, And yeah, it was, uh, and, and they didn't even say his name correctly a bunch of times. It was, it was a pretty rough couple of hours for, for Myers Leonard. Uh, also culminating in a DNP CD last night against the Mavs. Rough, rough all around for Myers. You know, uh, I'm sure, you know, as a young gangly five eleven foot fourth grader, he always dreamed of being mentioned on national television concerning basketball. However, when your name is hearkened to a trash can being thrown across a cafeteria, that's probably not he was going for. Maybe more references to Bill Lambeer than getting asked if he's picked up on Wednesday or Sunday because he is garbage. Ooh, Myers Leonard catching the wrath of the big dog. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. They had a menu last night. They they had all the things that 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 everyone you know that you know we're all waiting on. Aminu actually hit a three last night in down the stretch of the game, and yet they still couldn't get it together. I don't I don't know what's going to get this team uh, pl- moving in the right direction. I don't know what's going to shake them up. It it, it seems like. Uh, no one seems to be able to really put their finger on what the problem is for you who watches them from afar. What, what do you, what do you think their biggest issue is or what bothers you the most when you watch the Blazers? What bothers me the most when I watch the Blazers? What bothers me is I just spent $170 on league pass and I get served with an NBA TV Thursday night, Wednesday night treat. And I was happy about that. You know, yeah, the, the big the big NBA TV turd on your league pass package where you just yeah. you just don't like you're like, oh, man, tonight going to be home Blazers Mavs. It's going to be awesome. I just paid for this and it's on NBA TV and I can't watch 100 percent. Here's what I'm disappointed in. The fact of the matter is this. I truly believe that this is a good team that is playing like shit. And it's not even it's not even that. They're in these games. They're trying. That's the worst part. They're trying and they're still not finishing. And I look at this roster and I look at last year's roster. And honestly, I was an Evan Turner fan, you know, just simply based off of the tweets and the outfits and a big fan of sport goggles. I'm not going to lie. You know, uh, it makes him look sophisticated on the court. And I thought he'd have a, you know, a, a higher basketball IQ because of it. However, it looks like those, much like the stickers on your buddy's Honda Civic with a spoiler, are just for show. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I, I wish Evan Turner's game was as complimentary to the team as his personality, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's starting to get hard, um, to, to see a light at the end of the tunnel here for me, because I, I feel like every, every game I'm like, okay, well they're, they're gonna eventually turn it around. They're gonna start playing better defense. They're gonna be a little bit more consistent. They're gonna be more solid. They're gonna communicate better. 
and every game they still are a mess and so I don't know when it's going to come and they they really just don't they haven't gotten it together and I don't know when they will and it's going to be tough now because they had a good chance here with that back-to-back that it was a back-to-back but it was Dallas Sacramento and now they've got a couple days off they're at home they can get right but they've got San Antonio tomorrow who just you know they're the Spurs and then you have the the Raptors coming in the day after Christmas so Portland is in a super tough spot and I don't see how it gets better from here so I, I I'm I know it's it's a little cliche but it might get worse before it gets better somehow well if you look at last year you know it really did take them a moment for them to wake up they were what 12 and 21 was it uh, close to that, Myers had uh, separated his shoulders and, and things were looking bad. So I think what we do is this. I think we lose three more games and then, uh, you know, we take Myers down uh, to the silver dollar. We get him in a bar fight, separates the shoulder again. The team gets fired up, bonds around it, and uh, we start building back from there. The silver dollar. That's a, that, So we're going to take Myers Leonard to Eugene. Yeah, on a Monday night. On a Monday night for quarter beers at the yeah. silver dollar. And yeah, quarter years and, and a lot of friendship. And, and yeah. And so, and, and then Myers is going to get into a fight somehow. And then that's going to make, that's going to be the rally moment. So it's not good. It's not the easy, cause they already had a potential rally moment with the Azili injury and Azili isn't going to be back. So th- they've already missed one rally moment. So maybe it needs to be somebody who has actually played so far this season to kind of get the team, you know, get, get them uh, a gipper, so to speak, you know, get, get, get them a little inspiration. Uh, I, I, I think, I guess that's all, that's all we have hope for right now. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, if you do want to get serious, hold, hold on a second. Oh, oh wow, that's good. Uh, if you want to get serious here for a second, um, you, you got to turn the light on, on Stotts and Olshay. And the first thing is this, you know, everyone likes to fire a GM, but simply I don't think that's going to change the way they play, you know. And I like Stotts. I think he's got a great head of hair. He's a sharp dresser. Um, you know, Terry is a little bit of an ambiguous first name, but it kind of goes with the whole Northwest vibe. And, uh, you know, I think he is a good fit there on the team and given his coaching pedigree, you know, he knows his stuff. So I think it, I need, it needs to be a total organizational wake up. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, yeah, definitely a, a, a top down, uh, situation right now, because I think also too, the, you know, the Blazers built this whole team, the team that they have now, uh, everything was built on this foundation of Olshay, of Stott, and Damian Lillard. Like, that's what this team has been built on. And, um, yeah, it seems like there, there's got to be a sense of urgency there. I'm sure Olshay is screaming at the TV and, 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 and throwing things when the Blazers are losing. And uh, I know that Stotts was not happy. Uh, to, to hear Terry Stotts' comments last night to touch on this, f- for him to say that Portland's performance in the first half was unacceptable and for him to also say that you know to kind of call out Al Farouk in in, in Stotts's way by saying that the play at the end of the game should have been a ball screen to me is that that's Terry Stotts calling them out that that that's as far as he goes when it comes to public criticism and so to the fact that they've gotten to that point uh is pretty startling and um, it, it also shows how the team feels about where they are right now. Nobody's comfortable. Nobody is is happy about this. And Stotts is trying to kind of wake up the troops a little bit with his rhetoric, which is mild. Uh, 
you know, would be mild in most cases, but for him uh, was pretty pointed and pretty direct uh, when it comes to evaluating the play of his team, seeing that it's unacceptable. I mean, as a manager, when you hear your your manager saying that things are unacceptable at work, like that's a wake up call. And, and, and that's exactly what uh, last night should have been for the Blazers. They probably took for granted the fact that Dallas sucked and they let them go for 60. And, and that's kind of been their season. They, they've taken everybody for granted They're, They don't play hard at the start of games and they let teams get 30 point quarters. Like it's like, it's their job. Yeah. And the playing down to your opponent, you know, that is, it's such a cliche and one that the Blazers just, you know, love to remind me of every time I turn on the television. Uh, you have to rise to the occasion, everyone, these easy wins, especially when you're below 500 are the ones you need to capitalize on. Um, and so for them to show up like they did against a team that has three freaking wins, uh, it's just, it's just really, really disappointing <clears throat> and drives me to drink. Yeah, yeah, the Mavs, uh, that was their second road win of the year. They have eight wins total. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just it was their second road win of the season. And, and Portland uh, I somehow managed to lose to this team that uh, has no business getting a win against a team that all of us thought would be a playoff team and is suddenly now, I mean, it's not even, you know, Sacramento and, and the Nuggets are tied with them in the loss column right now. And then the Lakers are only two games back. And then you have the Pelicans who are three games back and you have the Timberwolves who are starting to heat up at only two and a half games back. So now Portland's all of a sudden in a completely different ball game, a completely different tier. And now they're watching their back, but not where they thought they were going to be watching their back from. We were told at the beginning of this year that it was going to be a 51 team. Vegas had us at, 48 and a half, I believe. Luckily, I stayed away. Smart smart move. Smart move. You know, hey, uh, a broken clock is right right twice a day. What can I say? You know, I I wanted to jump all over that on that future bet, um, but I didn't. I didn't because uh, I lost all my money on Hillary Clinton, um, but that's okay. Uh, We're going to go ahead and power through that one. We all all are. Yeah, we all all lost. I didn't want to... You know, alienate the uh, the eighteen percent of your viewers. You know that voted Republican. The, to- to- totally fair. Yeah, I mean, obviously, if yeah, if you were a Republican and you voted, that, that that statement doesn't apply to you. Yeah, we're gonna cut that out. Um, so we'll go ahead and uh, looking at the next couple of games. Uh, like you were saying, I mean, the Spurs are gonna come out and they're gonna hit us in the mouth. You know, in the most polite way possible. You know, Aldridge is so stoked to come into this. To like the Blazers are reeling. And it's right before Christmas, and you know nothing would make Lamarcus Aldridge happier than coming in and giving Aminu and Plumley the business. Like oh, you, you, I, you know he wants to do that. Absolutely, and honestly, uh, knowing Pop, he may sit Lamarcus, and then they'll still beat us by twenty-five, and that'll just send an even bigger message. Yeah, because that's that's how bad they are. Um, I think that's where that's where things stand. I don't know if there's any other uh, uh, things you wanted to throw out there about this team or about the NBA that you've observed uh, before we wrap this up. This this uh, first edition of uh, this this first brown liquor edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast with the Big Dog. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, first first take of the day: uh, the Utah Jazz are the worst team in the NBA. They have two players from Butler. I don't know what state that's in, but it, they're terrible. Their team's terrible, and the coach for the Boston Celtics. Uh, that little fellow with the slender shoulders reminds me of Mark Helfrich, and he he can get it too. <laughs> All right, nobody is safe—not Brad Stevens, and not even anybody who 
is associated with Butler University. Um, Correct. Second take. Uh, the last thing is this. You know, uh, I, I like to look at you know one of my favorite films of the past three years uh, and and reflect on the Blazer season like this. Um, with Gone Girl right now, we're Ben Affleck and we have the neck beard and we may be headed to death row. Um, so I think we need to get some holiday Emily Radzikowski and turn this plot around. We could all use a little bit of that. So uh, that is going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Blazers podcast. Thank you to the big dog for joining me and uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom. Google Play, anywhere you can get a podcast, leave a five-star review, and uh, tell your friends about it. Keep coming back, and we'll be back with you after uh, the Blazers play the first.